0: How do you know what you know? What's the best evidence for either atheism or Christianity? We're going to have a redux, uh, part two, if you will, the sequel, sometimes better than the original. It does happen. Just look at Empire Strikes Back, right? Uh, We're going to be talking again with Taylor Neal and Brian Woods today about atheism and Christianity and the best evidence for each right here on Theology On Air. All right, well, normally what I say at this time is it's Thursday at 5 o'clock, and so that's why we're in the HD2 channel. But as it happens, uh, it's 4.45 or so. We're getting started a little bit earlier today, and you'll notice that Taylor's going to have to leave us Uh, Right around, uh, well, 20 minutes before usual, so Ryan and I are going to have some bonding opportunities after the fact. But anyway, thanks for listening to uh, Theology on Air here at KPFT. We're not live yet because there's a show already going on at KPFT, so right at 5 o'clock we're going to flip that on-air switch and we'll be live and maybe I'll do a little bit of fundraising. But for the sake of the podcast, Taylor and I are going to get started while we wait for Brian to arrive, because not only is our schedule a little bit different this week, but Brian is stuck in traffic. Yeah. So what's up with that? But that's that's Houston for you. Uh, so Brian will uh, stroll through that door at, at any moment, and he'll just pick up you know right where right wherever we're at you know in this whole conversation. So this is our chance to say what we want about atheism exactly. or or whatever. So, but actually, one of the things that we wanted to do before we uh got started because this is kind of a conversation more about epistemology and how do we know what we know the the nature of truth and and things of that nature. So, why don't you um Taylor? Uh, let me introduce uh, our guest today, are Taylor Neal and Brian Woods. Uh, again, Brian's the one who's late. It's <laughs> not his fault. Um, Taylor, as we said last time, you you kind of just I do not say just, but you got into apologetics, and you've yeah studied the issues around it. So, how long have you been doing that?
1: Yeah, I guess um, uh, circa two thousand six. I guess is when I first got interested in it. This was. When I was in college, there was Brian right there. Oh, there was Brian. Stop talking about
0: him. Very cool, Brian. <laughs> I, 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 you know what? I'm I must be a prophet because I said you, in any moment you're going to stroll through that door, and, and, and there you are. There you are. No, it's
2: amazing. So, it's a miracle. You, it,
0: yeah. It, well, I don't know. Technically, would have to think, about it. anyway. But yes, the um. Do you like this new mic stand?
2: It's interesting. Yeah, I got it.
0: I got it, so it might be slightly more comfortable for those for whoever sitting on that 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 end this time. If it works. All right yeah okay um but yes, so we're just getting started we're defining epistemology um, and so uh, Taylor was just about to do that for us but we're kind of getting yeah. introductions too. but yeah go well, ahead and yeah give us I was talking about
1: I, I got into apologetics in college um, there was a, a time that uh, I was not a believer in college and and um, I, I just found through the study of apologetics that I, I thought that Christianity was more probably true than not. And uh it was a, a really formative uh experience for me and I just uh so I've stayed with apologetics since then. And uh like I mentioned last time I do have a blog, neology.com, dot com, uh as as well as a class that I teach at my church and uh things like that. Oh,
0: you teach your own class? I do. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. What's it called? Neology
1: it doesn't have an official name in the uh church catalog. It actually just says Stephen Walker Life Group. Okay. He'll, he'll like that one. Uh so he's the one that reserved the room for it. Gotcha. So of course he put his name on it. Gotcha.
0: Um That's an ongoing I, problem. I don't right? know what a catalog is, but a yeah, roster. Okay. Must be a big church thing. So mm. Yeah. 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 Cool. Okay, good. And uh and, and Brian's a self made um atheist expert. Something like, that. Something like that okay, cool. counter apologist. Counter apologist perhaps I'm gonna stick that up. Sure, sure cool. okay. All right, well, okay, so what's epistemology? Uh, that that yeah, G- give us a definition on that so we can kind of
1: yeah, layman the... terms, epistemology is just the a theory of knowledge like how how do we know things? Uh, in the context of the moral argument this comes up sometimes, um, you know if if we came to know and understand, uh, morality through a process of evolution, uh, then that process of coming to know morality would be uh, an example of epistemology. But the actual morals themselves, themselves, I would argue, we don't create them; we discover them, and that would that would be ontology, right? The 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 actual existence of morality. So epistemology is how we know something. Ontology being
2: uh, what what actually exists. Okay.
1: Sound Do you, right uh, to you? You agree with that? Uh,
2: yeah, I would also add, can we know? Because uh, different people will define knowledge as different things, and there's been a a long history of uh, of writings dealing with this subject. So, and I know y'all know that, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to throw that in there because I'll probably be challenging some of the right. definitions and stuff. So,
0: cool. Okay. okay. All right. Well, let's kind of dig back in. I mean, for those who, um listen to the first episode I, I, I think we covered a lot of ground but there's still a lot left to cover and so you know I want each of you today to kind of answer some more questions about kind of how you you know what you know right like so how do you come to your own epistemological certainty or your own mm-hmm. epistemological facts or whatever the right phrase might be so um, why don't you if, if you each would say how you know what you know right so like you each hold certain beliefs You each believe them to be true. Mm -hmm. So how do you know if they're true or how do you know that they're true or how they're true? So I guess Taylor, we'll start with you. Yeah. Well,
1: on a foundational level, um, I I would say that I trust that my senses accurately report reality and that the external world is an an objective feature of reality. And so uh, without that baseline assumption, I don't think we can really uh, know anything. So that's where I start. And, uh, and unless there's some kind of, you know, adequate defeater to that, some reason why, you know, I I feel like I, I shouldn't trust
2: my senses, I think I'm rationally justified in doing that.
0: Okay. What do you think?
2: Um. So, um, I would say that our senses may tell us something about reality. It's a more accurate statement. Um, so, we can think of knowledge in three different areas. Don't
1: your senses tell you that? Don't your senses tell you that your senses might not be fully reliable? Oh, my mind does.
2: So there's three areas where, um, mentally we can know something, right? So, uh, one is internally and this is our experience, right? So this is more like immediate knowledge. Mm -hmm. Like I hit myself, I hit this table on my knee and I feel it. Immediate knowledge. We can say that it seems to be there, et cetera. Um, but it's more the experience of it. Um, internal thoughts, dialogue. Uh, this goes way back to Descartes. You know, if you want to doubt this, what is there left that you can't doubt, um, that you really have to accept this true. And, you know, can you doubt that you doubt? Cause if you doubt, you doubt, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that, there's well, also in- the, the outside world mm-hmm. right, where we experience. And that is where we start to get into this, where philosophy meets, um, kind of empiricism and there we kind of infer things based on our experience and perception and then the reality um is kind of like this absolute truth um that's a little bit harder to get at because we know that we are wrong about a lot of things um and even when we think we're right i don't think you'll uh disagree with that all right hang sort on sort can... certainty you... You could say I'm complaining certainty and knowledge.
0: I'm going to call a timeout because your mic is not working. But
2: your mic is. So let's just share. Can we share? Is yeah, that possible? Yeah. Yeah. And is there a one-off switch on this one? <laughs> so
0: so why don't you give a summary of what you just said?
2: So basically, there are three areas where you can um, have this type of ex- – or you can have experience. Not, knowledge is not the right thing to say, but um, internally – Externally, and then there's this absolute reality that your perception kind of touches, and there's an interaction going on between your internal experience and your external. Knowledge is something where we incorporate philosophy and science as methods to get to these patterns or truths. Um, So, that would, in knowledge itself, I think some people would call it some sort of true belief plus something. Um, I would say it's. it depends on what you mean.
1: So uh, the only thing I think that I would, would add to that, or maybe as a qualifier, is that our senses and our faculties of reason, that's all we have, right? So any theory uh, or any epistemology that we developed is, um, is kind of tethered back to that, right? So if we start questioning foundational things like... Um, uh, like the reliability of our, our faculties and um, our senses and things like that, which, you know, we can do if we, if we have, you know, good evidence to do that. But if, if we undermine that, you know, foundational assumption, uh, then we probably get into trouble. Uh, but what I think is interesting about this is if, if we both start with that assumption, which we, you know, we've talked about this before, uh, that, you know, at least to an extent, I think you would agree our reason is reliable Cognitive faculties are reliable, uh, then you know we're, we're kind of left with what best explains that that aspect of reality, and of course I think that it can only be grounded uh, in some kind of immaterial reality.
2: Sure. So the the idea of reliability, right? Uh, we could talk about that a little bit. Um, So when you say reliable, do you mean that when you look at something, you're seeing the absolute truth? You're understanding the thing in and of itself? What do you mean by that? Like, if you look at that cup, do you understand everything about the cup? No,
1: not necessarily, but I
2: understand
1: certain things about it.
2: Do you think... Its form, its purpose. Can your senses... Maybe even its origin. Sure. Can your senses be deceiving? Uh, Yes, your senses can be deceiving. And let me even step farther back from this, uh, because I know where this is going, and yeah. so does Taylor. Um, yeah. So ultimately, um, can you be wrong about something and think that you're right? Of course. Okay, so that is a self-defeating, like that that type of knowledge, if you if you embrace that, um, Plantinga would say if you embrace, embrace evolution, uh, you'd have a self-defeating argument, right? Yeah, and I but, would agree with that. But yeah. just simply, if you say, I could be wrong, even if I think I'm right. Right. You haven't really you think you have knowledge, but you don't.
1: Yeah. But see, it's it's I, I think that this is uh, conflating a little bit or maybe maybe it's an equivocal use of the word knowledge in, yeah. in this case, because if if we're going to go that foundational, I'm not even certain that I exist. Right. Yeah. Like I I believe that I exist. I believe that's a rational, justified belief. Uh, but I, 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 don't have that kind of certainty that you're talking about with it. And similarly, I think that, um, uh, you, you mentioned planting his argument. Um, uh, I, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole right now, but, uh, certain things like if, if there's no immaterial aspect to our minds, then our minds are, are fully determined. Um, I would even say, you know, in the sense that most people think of mine, it's, it's an illusion. Um. I, I think that I can know that in a sense um, because it's a deduction, right? Is that, means I mean, it, are, you,
2: are you following that a little bit? It wasn't exactly how I wanted to state it. Um, I think so. I mean, um, so do you... It's a certain so as anything else. So it sounds else. like you're saying that it, when we talk about knowledge, um, I mean, there's a lot more than what I'm about to say uh, that you said, but um, I think the relevant point is that you can get to... A belief, and you can have some other thing, but knowing whether or not it's true sounds to be the difficult part uh, under either one of these uh, ideas
1: I don't think it's that that difficult if your starting assumption is that there's um, you know an, an immaterial reality uh, that gives you uh, volition that uh, gives can we change but, the word assumption on that?
2: Sure. We can call that like an immediate truth, right? Like so, or seeming, or mm-hmm. whatever philosoph- philosophical term you want to call it. Um, but this is something that is immediately you—you you can't even—it's not even coherent to our minds to understand what it would be like to do to think without thinking. Um, it's just an immediate experience. So, why
1: why trust that then? Why why believe that? Why move forward on that basis?
2: Um, because mostly out of necessity, we don't have any other. We can't think without thinking, right? It's just something that we have, and we cannot do anything without. So when we say assumption, um, like when, so I what say, explains that then? So. Um, let's, let's say that's correct. Cause I,
1: I agree. You, if you go to that kind of radical of a skepticism, you can't really know anything for sure, including the fact that, that you exist. But if we both assume it's true that we exist and our mind's work and, uh, you know, we can know at least some true things about reality. What explains our ability to do that?
2: Uh, first of all, I don't think it's radical. It's definitely not radical to think we can be wrong. We can think. Things no, no. Not true but and, it, I think and then once s- you get to the level of, you know, uh,
1: do I even exist or there minds other than my own, that that would be something that I might call a radical skepticism that, um,
2: um, I is limiting. I think these are real problems in philosophy. Like these are. Uh, granted, and that we have no way out of these right now, other than to say that we have way out ways mm-hmm. out of these. There's nothing that's given to us that leads deductively to uh, the conclusion these other conclusions that there are legitimate other minds uh, hmm. you would have to know things in and of themselves, which makes like the Kantian no uh, yeah. I guess um, but um how do I explain it? It's uh it depends on what you mean. like how do I explain? Your experience, your right. consciousness, or so. All, all right.
0: Well, I think we've we're off to a good start. We're off to a good start. I think we have all of our technical issues resolved. But it is five o'clock, so we're going to go live now. And so KPFT listeners, uh, we don't have any intro music today because we've actually already started our show. Uh, we started the show a little bit early today, but I do want to thank you. We're listening every Thursday at 5 o'clock to Theology on Air here on the HD2 channel at KPFT. Uh, By the way, KPFT is listener-supported community radio. That means that we cannot exist without your generous support. So go to kpft.org and uh, find out how you can give to KPFT. This is uh, commercial-free radio, right? So uh, we're not selling anything. We're not pitching any products. Uh, this is just uh you know radio for uh you know for for ideas for the sake of uh, discussing what's important. You can also call in to KPFT to give 713-526-5738 is the number 713-526-8738. Does say that right? No, 5738. Uh, the number to the studio 713-526-8737 you can call in with questions as well. But uh, we do want to encourage you to give, especially given the name of Theology on Air, it really helps us uh, kind of move up at KPFT and uh, do more like this and reach a a bigger audience. So if you want Christians and, you know, unbelievers and everyone in between to sort of have a, a public dialogue on the radio airwaves of Houston, then we need your support. We need KPFT to know uh, that this is radio that you value. And if you value this radio, KPFT needs to know that as well. So, okay. 713 526 KPFT 5738. That's the number to call to give. And 713 526 8737. That's the number to the studio. And I am here with Brian Woods and Taylor Neal, part two of an atheism Christianity debate slash conversation slash philosophical. Oh my gosh. What are you guys talking about? Uh, conversation. So. Okay, so y'all, y'all, y'all have talked a little bit about epistemology, right? So that's kind of how do we know what we know? Now, Taylor, did I understand correctly that you your initial answer is basically through your senses?
1: Yeah, that's right. Okay. so um, I I think that I'm I'm justified in accepting that my senses are giving me accurate information okay. about reality. Now,
0: the only yeah. reason I I asked, I wanted to make sure I got that because usually it seems like unbelievers will will begin there, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm not saying I that's right or wrong. I, I okay. think we
1: both begin there. Yeah. And um,
0: so then, is there a further question though? Of how can you trust your senses? Or that's right. Uh, okay. So so is that what you are talking about?
1: Uh, a a little bit. Okay. It's been it like we, it, it's kind of messy because we're going off on rabbit holes a little bit. But I can try to clean it up. Really, what I'm trying to get to is that uh, if there is no immaterial reality, if I have no telos, no purpose uh and and my mind is just a physical object then um i i I think it follows necessarily that it's not necessarily aimed at truth right so why would i trust that it's giving me true information and not only that if it's purely physical i also believe it's purely determined right like all physical objects uh, are determined by the laws of physics if my brain is a physical object it's determined by the laws of physics which means that i wouldn't come to my conclusions based on reason and evidence you couldn't have come to any other conclusion my, that that's you came right. To, my, right my my okay. beliefs would just reflect the physical state of my brain the yep. chemicals in my brain and uh if 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 we're going to go that way then we can't trust anything um at all okay and so that's 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 why i think it's an important argument for some kind of immaterial reality which of course i only think makes sense on the view that god exists
2: right so <laughs> So for one, we are a part of this natural world, right? Um, there may be a part. You could say there is a part of us that is not natural, that is some sort of supernatural, extra natural, however you want to say it. Um, but our bodies correspond with the natural world. Um, and so when we – if our
1: – So is it, is it your position that there is something about us that's not natural? That
2: No. I I think we're natural. Everything that I see points to everything being natural. Um, There are definitely mysteries and hard to explain things and processes. And I think that's what the mind ultimately is. It's part of your brain. Your mind cannot exist without your brain, I think is the best way to put it.
1: So if, if you're a materialist then, what is your mind?
2: Your mind is what your brain does, you could say. Um, it's it's so the mind is the brain. It's the abstraction of the brain. So it's kind of like software to a computer. Okay.
0: Okay. okay.
2: So uh, then What's the
0: problem with that? Is there
1: a problem well, with that? Well m- most people when we think of mind we are thinking of some kind of immaterial system, a self, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think C.S. Lewis said you're not a you're not a body, you're a soul. You have a body. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the way people think about mind as well, but if the mind is the brain, or you know, they're just—it's a part of the brain. Let's say I think is what you're saying. Then, then I don't think you've gotten rid of the problem. I think that mind, in the sense that most people would understand it, is an illusion.
2: So, are you, is is the problem whether or not we can trust our senses, is, or what is the problem that you're saying I haven't gotten? Rid well, of? yeah, that that is one problem, uh, what but is the problem like. What is the thing that I can nail it down and and resolve? And um...
1: I don't think you, it can be resolved. I think it's a contradiction in terms. But I but the problem is is twofold. One, if your mind is uh, an illusion, if your brain is purely physical, mm-hmm. right, then uh, it's not directed at truth. You might be able to make the argument by an evolutionary process that it's aimed at survival, but not at truth value. It will only tell you true things theoretically if the truth has truth value in that situation, which is not always the case. That's the first problem. The second problem... Oh,
2: let me let me hit them one at a time. So the first okay. problem. All right. um, so your mind being directed at truth. I agree that your mind is not directed at truth. Uh, if it were... But aren't
1: you using your mind to come to the conclusion, the truth
2: claim, that your mind is not directed at truth? Well... So if we want to presuppose before we start talking about the mind that it is designed, we can say it's directed at truth, right? But then we'd have to say there is a faulty designer. Uh, and there are ways out Ooh, of this. I'm not I saying so. you can logically think of – you can't think, logically think of a way out of this. You can say, you know, it's he gave us free will or, or some, the de- designer she gave us yeah. free will, however you want to say it. But the we do and correspond with truth, right? And, I mean, we have things on, like But on your solutions. epistemology, how mm-hmm. do you know that we correspond with truth? And also... Right. Our, 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 even our terms knowledge, right? You you. I think you're thinking we're getting at absolute truth. And I'm thinking that there is... I do think that there is an absolute truth. I think there are things that are, no matter what we think about them. But we also have to consider that we do... Why do
1: you believe that?
2: Why do I think that there are absolute things? Why, yeah,
1: so why... Why do you believe that?
2: I mean, it's hard to put together like a syllogism on the spot for why I think there is absolute reality. But a simple argument is we experience things. Mm-hmm. And that's as basic as you can get with knowledge.
1: Yeah, but on the epistemology that you're describing, I think our reason is, is untrustworthy. At least that's what I'm trying to show. And yet we're using or you're using your reason to provide a foundation for
2: this belief. Right. There's nothing magic about reason, reason right? If the world is logical, at least in some way, mm-hmm. right, if it there is order in some way, um, it makes sense that our brains being natural, a part of this order, would be ordered. Um, it would be weirder if everything seemed like the way it was and we were getting at absolute truth all the time. But really, we have this kind of hodgepodge of reliability. Like, sometimes we're reliable, sometimes we're not. Sometimes we find out that we just think we're reliable. And most of the time that's But in every case, we're using
1: <clears throat> our unreliable senses to make a, a claim that we seem to think is true and objective. And so I, I guess that's my problem with it. And then also, you, you said that uh, if we, we presuppose mm-hmm. uh, an immaterial reality or a god to give us a volition and, um, and all those different things, then this idea might get off the ground. But it's not a, it's not a presupposition.
2: I'm reasoning from effect to cause. The, if you say directed with truth, if, it, if you ask the question, is your mind directed towards truth, right? Um, there is an assumption in that question that it could be directed, right? And to give that, you have to start with a something doing it, which I'm not against talking about that. But when we talk about the mind, we're trying to work from experience and look inward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you agree that we are we are physical, at least in some way? Well,
1: sure, but I also believe
0: that there's an immaterial aspect to who we are. Let, um, let me let me jump in. So one of the one of the questions that we wanted to answer today is is whether truth exists because because the the main difference I think between a theist, much less a Christian, of course, but a theist and an, and an atheist, right? Is is that is whether or not there is universals. So, so Brian has said he does believe in absolute truth. You asked him how that could be. I assume Neil that, or Taylor, sorry that that you uh, uh, that you believe truth exists, absolute truth by by definition. I would I would say that every theist believes that. I think, but maybe not. But I think every person believes it, whether they know it or not. Okay. So, what would what what would you say? Uh, do you do you think it's possible for him to believe that truth exists? I think he does believe that truth exists. Okay. Do you think it's possible for him to believe that and be consistent with athe- as an atheist? Uh, okay. No, I, okay. I don't think that you can know anything
1: reliably if atheism is true. If atheism is true, atheism being the the positive belief that that God does not exist, then I don't think you can know anything with reliability for the reasons that I've stated about yeah. our epistemology. Uh,
2: what about thinking? Like you can't know, like you're experiencing something.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't think you can. I mean, um, huh. essentially. So I, 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 see what you're so saying. So why does why does God
0: need to exist for not... us to know something? Hmm? Why I'm sorry. I why I, uh, why, why does God need to exist for us to know something? Right. Okay. So
1: um, I. I I, I said immaterial reality okay now I, I think that if you start to look at what the characteristics of that immaterial reality would would have to be I think you're gonna wind up at a theistic God uh, but it's not actually part of the argument that I'm making here uh, but I but I am saying that if atheism is true I think it follows logically that there is no immaterial reality gotcha. um, so that's that's the way I would come at that
0: okay so I I wanted to try to ask you guys some questions too because I know you're you're leaving in 28 and a half minutes sharp. That's right. right. So so let me let me kind of try to focus in on a couple of questions um, just for clarity's sake, right? So one of the things I wanted to know is 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 kind of evidence and how you evaluate evidence, right? So um, Brian, I'll start with you this time. What? And again, I I know you can't prove a negative, so if that's the answer, that's okay too. But uh, sure, you can. What you can prove negatives. What do you mean by that? Everyone says
1: well, you can't. So no, you can. Okay. Um, so I was I was watching this debate. I'm sorry, this is your time, but I was I was watching a debate, and during the Q and A session, somebody stood up, and this is you know William Lane Craig was the Christian in the debate. Someone stood up and said, you know, you can't prove a negative, and he stopped and he said, of course you can. And at the time. Um, you know, there, there were no uh, Muslims in the United States Senate. And so he said, we can prove negatives all the time. We can prove that there are no married bachelors because it's a logical contradiction. We can prove that there are no Muslims in the United States Senate uh, was one okay. example that he used. So those are, you know, okay. we, can, we, we can prove negatives. Okay. Strictly well,
2: speaking.
0: Do, you, do you, would you say that you have evidence or maybe what are your best arguments for the non-existence of God? Is evidence the right category?
2: Yeah, I think that's fair to ask. Um, and the way you encounter evidence is you look at the world and you say, how would you expect to see something? And you determine whether or not you see that. Um, so, for example, in a crime scene, you'll, if you, a guy is stabbed and you find a knife, I mean, there's some basic uh, prior assumptions that you'll have that you'll look at the evidence and say, can we deduce or figure out a way, infer something with likely probability that it happened? For Taylor, uh, what he was saying, you can't prove a negative. The way the way this gets interesting with God, and this is where I stand on the de- this gets into a definition issue, um, is God is poorly defined. So what that means is like you can give these attributes of God, right? And the the idea that you can logically destroy that argument um, is true if you don't change your definition. And what we see throughout history. Is like the problem of evil, right? We have this omni god. How do you address the problem of evil? And the way you do that is you start kind of redefining things. Um, and so when you do that, you get this kind of loose definition of something. And so it becomes harder and harder. Just like if I were to say there's there's a leprechaun under there, and you look under there, and you don't you say no, there's not. I don't see one. I say well, you don't believe in things that you can't see. I mean, the air's there, etc. Um, so there. are, if you start, if you're willing to take this definition and change it so that you're never wrong, you're not really looking for truth. You're just trying to make it work.
1: So um, this is interesting because this has come up in our conversations before. Uh, it, it might be true that that um, you know some people have done that. I, I don't think that the understanding of God in the traditional sense has actually changed that much over the centuries and over the millennia. Uh, so, I mean, you'd have to give me an example, uh, to go on there, but you said something else, um, and I'm trying to remember what it was cause I wanted to respond to it. Um, could you, could you kind of circle back a little bit to the way you started that what in the very beginning?
2: Um, about evidence, looking at evidence, basic, or a prior probability maybe. It's about or...
0: someone being stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll come back. It'll come back to you. Yeah. What would you say is, is the best evidence for the existence of God? Well, it's hard for me to
1: say because, in some sense, I think that the question is person-relative. Just because I, I think there are several sound arguments for the existence of God, um, I think that the most intuitive ones are the moral argument and the cosmological argument. Um, I'm e- even though I I actually came to believe that God existed um, by encountering the moral argument. State state those the the mm-hmm. yeah I'll put it in syllogistic yeah, form. It's real simple. Yeah. Uh the moral argument if uh is you know first premise, if objective moral values and duties do not exist, then God does not exist. Second premise, objective moral values and duties do exist. Conclusion, therefore God exists. Okay. This is really powerful because most people intuitively already believe the first two premises of the argument. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of times just don't follow through to the to the conclusion or see why that it, it does follow. And then the cosmological argument, similarly, two premises and a conclusion. Uh, Anything that begins to exist has a cause. Second premise, the universe began to exist. Conclusion, therefore, the universe has a cause. Now, conceptual analysis of this cause, uh, just at the very, very, very basic level, if the universe is all time, space, and matter, then this cause cannot have the characteristics of time. Space and matter. That's by to be the outside of those. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's right. Timeless,
0: spaceless, immaterial. Also, you could argue personal. And... I think
1: it follows. Uh, yeah. but But you know, I think personal follows, and I think extremely powerful follows. Yeah. But um, you know, normally I I'll stick with those first three because everybody immediately thinks of God when you say timeless, yeah. spaceless, immaterial first cause.
0: So, so Brian, do you think that we've sort of we as a believers, theists through the centuries have encountered an objection to god and said oh well no that i'm i'm only talking about this god so like uh for example um you know zeus and throwing thunderbolts oh well okay well yeah you're right that that god doesn't exist but this god exists you know what i mean like
2: well i think even the idea of a god being baseless and timeless is fairly new i'm not 100% sure um how old is genesis uh where does it say 3400 results where does he say spaceless? Well, so I, I'll...
1: I, you can move that mic, too, if you... Sure. You where, where does... Yeah, yeah. Where, I should probably kick it to the clergy, but I think that uh, that... Does Genesis say God is spaceless? Uh, it says that he's timeless. So there's one... And it says that he created right. the universe, and then, yeah, again, I, if we're accepting the straightforward understanding of universe... It
2: doesn't use timeless. It uses... And he's... Um, it uses weird it does. It, weird it, uh, grammatical explanations. Well, there's him. like
0: from eternity to eternity right, and things of that eternity. nature. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm willing to be corrected on this. But the
1: the traditional Jewish understanding has always been that God transcends the universe. And again, universe, commonly understood, time, space, and matter. Yeah. And ex and, nihilo, from nothing. That's right. Indicate yeah. he made from, from nothing. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, which I would say, sp- up until the up until even Newton we didn't really think of space as something you know we didn't think of things as uh it was hard to think about time we we think of time now and space in light of einstein right prior to that it was newton prior to that it was just this thing we took Okay but humanity. are you so are you are you so, saying so that so when we say god does something right this is all done in time like we think of like something happening right this is not really elaborated on in scripture. And to. But do you. Okay. So even if I accept that that's true. Do you take
1: from that. That the, that the ancient Jewish culture. Would have understand God. To be a spatial being contained
2: within. The space time universe. I I think it was. It's a given. I think it's kind Ooh. of. um. Well I think it is. I mean they, they saw God interacting with them. Right. Mm-hmm. They saw this world. And they saw a world outside of this world mm-hmm. right um, it, they okay, didn't so have let's... an understanding of the universe so the word spaceless and timeless is something that's used in the cosmological argument that's used in response to backing up its premises
1: so i i mean, i i am just going to disagree on this and i mean we can we can go to google later and hash it out yeah, yeah. but it, i yeah. mean the traditional understanding i believe uh, of god has always been that he sends I creation that he sends the universe that he's
2: forever forward and backward, which is different than out of time.
1: Okay, so let's let's say eternal. Uh, sure, I, I'm. Okay.
2: I'm just saying that, but also transcends mm-hmm. creation. What I'm saying it, to, is that every point me, along the way can be argued. If to me, not, though, it, if it, you're not willing to pin it down to be
1: disproved. Oh, but see this, this, this is exactly where I wanted to go, and this is what I forgot to say before. I think at root this is kind of an ad hominem, right? Because it's saying. Uh, you know, you, you apologist, uh, you know, if we come up with some other necessary attribute of, of God, you'll just add that to the list or maybe you'll take one away if it doesn't fit. Uh, but well, first of all, I don't agree with that characterization. I don't think that that's what we're engaged in. I think we're seeking after truth and most of the arguments are deductive. But even if you were right. You would not have shown the reasoning to be fallacious. You wouldn't have shown the argument to be incorrect. So I just don't understand the truth value of it.
2: The argument is not incorrect in in part of its form. It is incorrect in that it does not precisely describe reality. When we talk about a cause or something beginning to exist, we don't see things beginning to exist out of nothing, right? Only once. (laughs) We don't see that, and we infer that based on mathematical equations mm-hmm. we can only get to a picosecond yeah, but, after something we call the big bang right and this is this is really mis, misused because we base this on assumptions on energy densities and things like that so if we go all the way back to this one little time what we're doing when we say go all the way back we're literally setting a zero and a one mm-hmm. in
1: a big integral so is is there a space-time boundary in the finite past that we said, yes. Well, not that we said. What do you mean by that question? Is there a point in the past beyond which you
2: can you cannot go any further? And when we talk about not going boundary conditions, boundary conditions are specifically a mathematical term. Um, and that's what doesn't come across in philosophical arguments. It, it okay. doesn't have to be a, a mathematical term. But like when you solve a partial differential equation or if you solve these huge integrals, in fact, I was just talking to someone about this the other day who's a Christian. Um, the thing that matters are boundary conditions and the hard part is figuring out where to put them. And all it means is that your math breaks down at that point. You can't use that physics there anymore.
1: Okay. So uh, it's slightly different from the question, is there you know, a, a point in the past beyond which you can't go any further? But even if, um, even if we were to... You know, speculate that it was true. Maybe there's some you know inflationary model um, uh, that you know has a as a I don't know uh, what's it called reciprocal expanding and uh, contracting models or multiple universe theories. All all these other kind of highly speculative models. The to me the best argument for the the ultimate beginning of space time reality has has been around for a very long time. And that's the fact that uh, you cannot form an actually infinite set of anything uh, by uh, successive addition, right? So uh, while I'm happy to accept the uh, consensus in cosmology that that there is a space-time boundary in the finite past, even if I was to move beyond that, I would say the strongest argument is still that you've got an infinite regress of past events,
2: if there's no beginning, right, so, which means
1: today would have never arrived because there's an infinite amount of days yeah. in the past.
2: So I kind of we kind of got sidetracked because I was going to make a point about the arguments. But um, there is a space-time boundary, but that's exactly what I just described. And that's what gets lost in the philosophy is some of the, the nuances of physics. And that's why it's so hard to talk about these things and give a precise picture. Um, but the thing, I think the takeaway from these arguments is these arguments – do not get you to God. They get you to be able to maybe make an inference, right? What do you mean by God then? A creator of the universe that's super powerful. Well, let well, me, let I me, think that does follow. Let I me, let me, let me, let me ask this because that,
0: argument. that kind of ties into a question that I had for you, Taylor. All right. So one of the things you talked about last week was, or the last time we, we were together, um, is um, it is more true, it is more certain that God exists than not, or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. So, a, a question for you might be something like, is your belief, or maybe not your belief per se, but is belief in God a high probability or a certainty? Mm-hmm. And should an atheist be convinced by high probabilities? I mean, that's one of the intra-Christian debates, sort mm-hmm. of, is, is do we do we speak to unbelievers about our certainty that God exists? Or is it you know, are we at like eighty twenty, you know ninety ten seventy five twenty five? Is it a is it a higher probability? You know, so what would you what would you say?
1: Yeah, I mean, okay. So uh, again, it it just depends on what we mean by certainty, right? Because at the very root of it, I'm not even certain that I exist, strictly speaking. Uh, but I I think it's an extremely high probability, and more importantly, um, again, I I think that if we are are going to accept that the external world is real and that we can know truths about it, then we're presupposing a, a version of reality that would only exist if God were true. So I, I like the way Frank Turek says, and I was just talking about Frank Turek today, uh, he said the point is not that all arguments for atheism fail, the point is that all arguments for anything fail if atheism is true, because it would describe that epistemological problem uh, that that I mentioned before.
0: Okay. Do you want to come back on that for a few seconds? And then I have a question just for you. A um, couple, actually.
2: What was your initial question?
0: To him? Yeah. It was it was whether belief in God was a probability or a certainty.
2: Yeah, so um, that's such a... So probabilities are, are... I can talk about probabilities, but I don't think um, Taylor's issue was mainly with the probability. Um, I think it goes back to what we were talking about before, um, about whether or not you can justify your reasoning uh if there is but let me also tackle this just because there would be a god or a designer for truth doesn't mean that just because you think that or you can say that accounts for it or there is a creator doesn't mean you can account for truth uh, all it means is that something created you for a function yeah. and maybe that function was the fine truth but you're also the possibility of it being illusory is totally there. It could be a trickster. Okay, and say any reasoning. Say I grant that though. Right, any but, reasoning outside of that would be illusory, right? So you still have the same problem. No,
1: right? no, no, no. So we're not not if we're starting both of us with the assumption that we can know true things. Now, I mean, it sure. Let me just uh, stipulate, not necessarily accepting the argument, but let me stipulate for a second that if God, you know, created an automaton, uh, then. You know, it wouldn't be able to get outside of itself, so to speak, mm-hmm. to know true things. It would just mm-hmm. have, you know, whatever its design purpose is. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I'm I'm coming at it from the other direction. I'm I'm the, the being that does have this perception of reality and this perception that I can know true things. We both share this assumption, and that's only possible if I was if I have some immaterial uh, component to me and if I was created uh, by a being with the with the uh, ability and the characteristics to be able to give me
2: that kind of an existence. Do you believe knowledge is a justified true belief? Is that, do you, would you define Well, you gotta tell me a, what you mean by that. A justified true belief? Mm-hmm. It's true, you believe it, and you can justify it. Yeah,
1: and then, so, okay. so I hate to do this to you, but sure. what do you mean by knowledge? <laughs> um,
2: that it's what, Last true. rabbit hole, then I'm gonna ask Brian a question. Okay. Sure, okay, so, um, What I'm getting at is, in specific scenarios, I do make the assumption, because it's useful, it's pragmatic, we could not function without it, without making the assumption of moving forward, Mm -hmm. right? But we can still make assumptions we can still mentally do things but how do you justify those assumptions right we have models that we work with we reflect reality we correspond with reality right. we, so
1: let's subject those models to the and what i'm doing here is an end but an, hold, hold on but I'm, what i'm
2: trying to get at though is that as much as you can know know things um you can't the hard part is knowing whether you know um and looking at your belief and that is the real problem in this area and unless you know things in and of themselves, you can't know in that sense. Do um, you know that in and of itself? I mean, you can you can throw these questions at me and we can go really far down this rabbit hole. But the problem you have to come up with if you use this type of knowledge is that true belief plus something else, right? This is from the past 50 years. Uh, if you can come up with any scenario for your type of knowledge where you think it's right but it's not, which uh, no one has been able to successfully not do that, um, you've you've rewritten philosophy. You've you've shown that you can have true knowledge. Um, but I think we're. Even if we start at the assumption, this assumption, this type of knowledge, but we're talking about knowledge I, where I, I'm we
1: to I'm going to try not to go down the rabbit hole, so we'll just leave a lot of this aside, but I, what I'm saying is if it's possible to know anything.
2: Yes, but then, knowing that you know is the hard part.
1: Yeah, so I, I, I follow, but again I, I think it's got the same problem to get it off the ground. Uh, you know, we, we have our assumptions, and if, if we're Intellectually curious enough to to just not stop there and say it's just a brute fact, then uh, we we know uh, by by way of a, a logical deduction what it can't be,
2: what necessary qualities uh, the explanation must have. You can, I mean, you can still ask for an explanation, right? There's no point you can't ask for an explanation. The problem you get into is if you ask a question looking for an answer to a why without the answer for the how, right? And so this is where you lump on these, these extra demands. Um, and what I would say is that you're, and I think that's what you're getting at, you're, uh, and I'm willing to throw that mm-hmm. out at you so you can respond, mm-hmm. but I think uh, that you're missing the point of immediate knowledge. It's—it's um, it's, You experience things, and right. that's your starting point. You don't have to get it started. It started.
1: No, I I do understand, and so um, the the idea of immediate knowledge being, you know, something that uh, is internal to me that other people can't get at. You can look at my brain on a you know computer and say, oh, you know, he's he's probably feeling happiness because this part of his brain is lighting up, but you wouldn't know that I'm happy because, you know, my my son did something cute you know or something like that so i think that that's the kind of experience that you're talking about but what i what i am saying even to that is i don't understand how you can accept that it it it, there's how do you justify um that it's not an illusion if you can't trust anything
2: so well no i mean i was gonna say yeah you can you can Seriously, like I am not a skeptic to the point, a radical skeptic as uh, yeah. you put it, that I'm going to say, yeah, everything's an illusion. Why? Because it serves no functional purpose. Okay, like, but as be... soon
1: as you do that, as soon as you make a truth claim, mm-hmm. the, the moment that you do that, you rise above determinism. Right, and to rise above determinism, so? there has to be something non-physical about you, because all physical things are determined. Because, and and the reason that's true is because you're claiming to do something that is not autonomous. You're claiming to to have identified something true, uh, and if if you're fully determined, there, you ha- you have no uh, ability to do that. You're stuck in your determinism.
2: You can't rise above it. Yeah, I think we are stuck in our determinism. Um, we don't see. Why it. do you believe that? See, any answer you give me here is, is
1: going to be a set of reasoning, right? But your reasoning presupposes your ability mm-hmm. to get at the truth, right? So which determinism rules out.
2: But so you have to account. So there's different levels we can talk about this. We can talk about every atom. We can talk about this conversation. Uh, so in this conversation, if I just randomly said, oh, yes, I can account for it to no question being asked, it'd be weird. So is it deterministic that you asked the question and I responded? And then you can go down that level and see all of the chain reactions that happened. Mm-hmm. But just because you don't see them doesn't mean that it's not deterministic.
1: I agree. But if if it is deterministic, then uh, there's nothing objective about it. There's no reason for me to
2: believe it. It is right? objective from what we can see. There's no way for you to know
1: it because you're determined to know it or
2: not. But and again, you're, I think we're equivalent equi- equivocating the use of the word no as so getting Sean, that Sean, Sean
1: Carroll talks a lot about this. I mean, he, he I think he equivocates on the use of the word free will because he, he says that he has free will because all of the variables in his brain going down to the atoms and then going down to the input that he gets from the environment, it's so complex, you can never predict what I'm going to do. But if somehow you did have super knowledge of all events and the movement of every atom, you could say, yeah, I'm I'm determined. And then that's the very sense that I'm talking about um, if we did show that would you believe that we're determined there would be no reason for me to accept it because it, if it's true and, there's and no way th- would... if it's true there's no way for me to know it and, and I'm gonna be persuaded or not uh, not based on reasons and evidence but based on the chemical state so of my brain why Why so is it not there has to be an
2: immaterial uh, why is what not why is it not a reason for you to if you we showed that everything was happening deterministically Why is it not a reasonable? Well, first of all, all of your
1: research that shows uh, this supposed determinism is produced by a a non rational, uh, non thinking uh, uh, entity, right? Namely the scientist, uh, who only has the appearance of free will. So I think that that undermines very seriously the the reliability of, of that research to begin with, but then also as me as the agent receiving it, I'll either be persuaded or I won't, but I don't have any choice in the matter, right? And that's that's why there's no reason for me to believe it's objective. I can't step up outside of this determinism and say, yeah, that's true, or no, that's not true.
2: So it sounds like in this situation, um, you've you've hinged your assumption. So you're saying we both agree, or we both assume that we have knowledge, right? I know. Yeah. Let me just. Yeah. Verge, for the sake right? of the argument. Yeah. But, um, but it sounds like you're hinging your not your knowledge claims, and that you, and that for one, there's this weird kind of um, knowledge that you're getting at that is true, and it's true in a way that it's really true, um, and you're hinging that upon w- or with uh, the belief in a god or something creating you, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and so I'm saying how. Like how you're saying that you can get to the belief in a god, but if you don't hinge it on that, and you find out things are deterministic.
1: So uh, again, my my belief in God and my belief in the immaterial is not necessarily a presupposition. I'm really reasoning from effect to cause, right? I'm starting. We're both starting with the the assumption that you laid out, and and I'm saying, okay, what's the cause of that, and what characteristics would it have to have? Now again, I do think it follows. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna wind up at some kind of theistic god uh, using this argument, but at the very least, you have an immaterial aspect of who you are. Otherwise, uh, again, a, a fully determined being cannot do something autonomous. That would be a contradiction. So um, that's and and so if if I'm going to accept it, it sounds, that can immaterial I say, like, reality, because you're going okay, to, right.
2: uh, but when you say something autonomous cannot do something something uh, determined cannot do, do something, something autonomous. autonomous yeah you're you're assuming that it has to be able to do something autonomous because we identify it as autonomous yeah for for it to but mean what I'm anything, is, for it to be reliable otherwise I'm, it's just inputs and outputs sure but what i'm saying is is just because we're we're not seeing the determinism there it can still seem autonomous and this is where the seeming part yes, is yes but it would be an illusion Yeah, it would be an illusion in a sense. So there's no reason to believe it, because if I
1: say, why do you believe
2: that, you're going to give me some reasons. Not in the sense that it's not real. It's a sense that it only makes sense to talk about. And this is where Sean Carroll would talk about uh, poetic naturalism. Uh, And he said there's different ways to talk about things. And just because you talk about it on different levels doesn't mean the lower level is less valid. It's just there's certain domains where it makes more sense to talk about things in certain ways, and it's harder to talk to build up to these macro scales uh, from those things. But just because we don't know how, um, we can account for so much of it that we don't see any ne- necessity for external influences. All so, right,
0: I'm just gonna so, last word. I know you got to go.
2: I
1: just I, I think that that's a faith based position on several levels, but. We'll, we'll have to come back yeah. to
0: it. So Taylor has a an apologetics class he's got to go to at HBU. So we're going to give him twenty two minutes to get down the freeway. I'm hoping that's enough time. And
1: Doctor Walls, nice. don't get mad at me if I'm late. I did my best here.
0: There you go. There you go. You're doing the Lord's work. So you <laughs> know. Uh, but uh, supposedly. Brian supposedly, I... I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. Okay. <laughs> around. All right. Well, thank you. Let st- me just say one thing yeah. while
2: Taylor's here. So, um, you know, a couple people reached out to me and thought that. Uh, I think is that the camera no the camera had to move ah, okay. yeah so uh a couple people reached out to me and thought that we were like duking it out or something and I just want to let everybody yeah, know no. that you know we're Taylor and I have met outside of here and yeah. we've talked like we enjoy this this is something absolutely we it's like yeah Kids playing around, except our minds—except even more dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> no, I and that's true. Thank
1: you for saying that, because because Brian's a good friend. And I wouldn't want anyone to have that impression.
2: There you go. All right, and
0: we're gonna um in the uh in the uh, oh I'm too close to that mic. We're gonna in the live feed on Facebook as well, but Brian and I are gonna chat live on the air at kpf.t.org hd two for another twenty minutes or so, and. Uh, so this will be like podcast bonus material, if you will. But, yeah, you can definitely sit Switch in that chair. And I'm not on the camera at all, So, which is a good reason to end the live feed. So, Facebook friends, we'll see you uh, we'll next week. Uh, check out uh, Houston Theology on Tap. We'll be back next week on the air. See ya. Yes, end Facebook. Okay. Um, all right. So we're just on the air. This will be just for the podcast. Uh, let me just tell uh, all of our listeners as well, 713. Let me see. I'll turn it off. That, yeah. Uh, 713-526-8737. If you have been listening and you want to call in, this is a good time to do it. Uh, 713-526-8737. That is the number to this studio. 713-526-KPFT is the number to give to KPFT. There are people st- sitting by right now waiting for your phone call. And they will gladly take a credit card number. And if you live in Houston, you want to go see some awesome music concerts for 150 bucks 200 bucks you can... Uh, get tickets uh, to some really awesome shows and support Community Radio while you're at it. So go to KPFT.org to learn more or call 713-526-5738 to uh, support KPFT and make a pledge, become a member, you get voting rights, uh, all that kind of good stuff. So, okay. Um, Well, Brian, I have to say, uh, you and Taylor kind of went over my head. So um, I'm just a simpleton here. (laughs) I don't read a lot of philosophy in my spare time. But I did have a couple of questions for you that, um, and then there are some other stuff I wanted to talk about in these 20 minutes, but sure. let me, uh, I didn't get around to these questions, so let me, this is what I struggle with the most, and I think I kind of was going after it like last time you were in, 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 uh, in the studio. But this is, this is just again from my, my own simplistic way of thinking about things, um, sort of where I struggle with the, even the concept of atheism, um, and and actually where it kind of, where I think it it struggles sort of politically, if you will, or socially. Okay, so the question is this. Um, If God does not exist, are there meta, quote-unquote, truths, right? Or is every truth essentially local or a series of axioms agreed upon, axioms that can change? So last time you were in the studio, you talked about, Axioms, I think, was the word mm-hmm. that you used. Yeah. So it's like, so you and I would agree on many axioms, right? Yes, absolutely. But we yeah. just wouldn't agree how we got there. Pro- I think, like philosophically, the foundations would be different. Like we, we, you're kind of starting here, and I'm like, well, yeah, of course, I agree with you because you're actually presupposing God's existence with that axiom, which is what you and Taylor were kind of talking about. But the question is, are there meta truths? You kind of said earlier you think truth exists. There, yeah. By that we mean capital T absolute truth. Sure or is every truth essentially local? Is it something that we agree upon now, but it could change tomorrow?
2: Um, I think there are certain truths that depend on perception. Uh, I mean, scientifically speaking, just the past century, uh, Einstein's theory of relativity Mm -hmm. is relative. Um, But I think there is an absolute truth, and I think most people, like Taylor said, would accept that there is something that is despite what we perceive it to be. if that makes sense, I think that's a really fine definition of truth, but it's also abstract. Okay, uh, but I also think there are meta-truths in the sense that um, there are truths that we that like the questions of in mathematics. Right, we're asking: Do we discover or invent math? And it's such a weird thing because sometimes it seems like one or the other. Sometimes it seems like both. just depends on how you look at it sometimes. Um, But we definitely think these things are true. And these are open questions to which I'm a layman in answering. So um, I think that's a really good question and a hard question. But were there certain specific truths that... uh,
0: Well, for example... Uh, let, I mean, this is a this is not a good philosophical argument to make, and I understand that I'm granting that. So, um, but for example, one of the one of the concerns I think like people like me would have is that if if there are not absolute truths, you know, absolute axioms, for example, that human that human beings have intrinsic dignity, mm-hmm. and so Christians would generally argue that human beings have intrinsic dignity it's 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 part of who they are because they're made in the image of God so and etc cetera, etc so they they have value they have human rights civil rights etc um and so what you see in atheist states are those rights you know we would say violated and so of course that doesn't mean that atheists you know people who profess to be atheists go around killing people like 43% of Dutch people, I heard the other day, are atheists. Mm-hmm. So, and they're not rounding up people and saying, "Oh, human lives don't matter." But there have been atheist states where you know, and I would argue, yes, because without the 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 absolute belief that human life has value, it's going to give rise to the possibility that you could have, for example, a one-child policy. Mm-hmm. Okay, like there's a there's a documentary on on, on Amazon called One Child Nation. And it's like the horrors of the one child, you know, policy in China, mm-hmm. an atheist state. Right. Okay. Now, I'm not accusing you of killing children. <laughs> I'm not. I'm really not. But, like, cashing it out, if there aren't absolute truths, that's where I get nervous, right?
2: Yeah. Um, and I think it's a natural tendency for us to get nervous. And that's why we want to think of these things. Even I want their—I want to be absolutely right about things, right? Yeah. And so does my neighbor, Um so do you. Uh, and and this is where it gets difficult because we will agree on some things, but we will disagree on a large number of mm-hmm. other things. Um, when we say we have an absolute truth, though, um, there, there's a lot to be said about nation states that take advantage of this um, because Christians have done it too, theists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it's more accurate to say it's a human thing. We tend to have in groups and out groups, and we tend to mislabel the outgroups or we arbitrarily label the outgroups as being not one of us. And that allows us to mentally get behind doing atrocious things. And mm-hmm. so we have to be really careful with that. Um, and I think this this is uh, charges launched at atheists because of the past century, which is I mean, we can make some historical cases, but it's also launched at the church in history as well, mm-hmm. including the past century, um, where, for example, uh, I think everybody has heard or everybody that would listen to a theology podcast, I would think, has heard, um, you know, Stalin was an a or the Soviet Union was atheistic. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but the there is a charge launched at the Lutheran church, too, right? Um I think it was. I don't know if it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said it, but as the church doors were closed on the uh, Jews that were being rounded up in Germany, mm-hmm. um, so there are charges against. There are people on both sides that will do what we consider the right thing, and mm-hmm. there are people that on both sides who will do the wrong thing, and there are also people who will make up their own ideas about what to do. Yeah, um, I. I, so I get the fear, and that's what makes it such a hard problem, and that's what makes it us want to say, mm-hmm. "This is the right way."
0: Yeah, um, so. yeah, yeah. And I would say, my my, uh, I guess def- you know, if I were to be defensive about it and say, if, "Well, of course, Christians have committed great atrocities." There's no, there's no denying that. It's sin is a human problem, of course. I mean, that's part of my theological point of view about humanity that you know we are sinners, so that's to be expected. I would say that the difference is that, again, it, it like when you kind of boil it all down, it's like what really animates a culture? What really animates a society? What are the boundaries you, you have of, um, you know, where you say, you know what, this is just absolutely wrong. Um, and so when Christians, so this is a convenience for me perhaps, mm-hmm. but when Christians did bad things, I would say, well, they were acting out of accordance with their own worldview. Sure. But when, uh, n- you know, non-Christians, you know, did bad things, they were acting within their might makes right worldview, which is what, you know, you're left with on naturalism or materialism or something like that. Now I know that you would deny, I'm not accusing you of that, sure, but, sure. Yeah. but you know, that would be the, the a kind of, you know, and I, and, and then and you don't want to get into a body count debate. That's why yeah. I said at the beginning, it's not a good philosophical argument. I understand that. It's like, sure. well, you have, yeah, there are a hundred million bodies on yours and only, you know, three and a half million bodies on mine. That's not a good way to, way to do it. You know, that we don't, Argue on pragmatic terms.
2: Maybe I should tell you how I, um, why I don't think on moral terms uh, okay. that a God thing uh, is. Um, when we look at the world, it seems like um, we we have this confirmation bias, right? And when we we see things, we go, "Ah, see, I was right." Um, and it when if you strip back and you just look at data, it, it even though it becomes a count, uh, it, it does seem to kind of uh, flounder our own biases and it. I think that, um, I forget the point I was going to make, but, um, basically I, I understand, and you don't have to make any prefaces to anything you say, cause I totally get it. Um, I would love it if there was a standard and I would love it if what I thought should be the standard mm-hmm. was the standard. Um, but I, I think that is a hard problem and it's, it deserves discussion. Yeah. Um, so.
0: so I'd I'd recommend people. Uh, there's a debate that I've watched several times. It's a, the question is is the New Testament evil? I think you can go to YouTube and is the NT evil? It's with a debate with James White and uh, David Silberman, who is like the head of the American Atheist Association or something like that. I don't think he is anymore. But um, but it, it ended up not really being about the content of the New Testament, but a, you know philosophical or prepositional. Uh, presuppositional argument about whether you can judge whether evil exists or not. So in other words, the Christian was saying, well, who are you to say whether the New Testament is evil? You don't have a foundation for it. David Silberman ended up being caught in a I would say he really painted himself into a corner because at the end of some of the cross-examinations he was pointedly asked okay, if you're at the gates of Auschwitz, the best that you could say is that for me this is wrong Mm -hmm. rather than this is wrong yeah it it is it is an absolute wrong, right, so of course, David Silverman yeah. thought that Auschwitz was wrong that's not that there's no doubt about it. The right. question is, but what but the concern is that on a you know um you know on on at at the big picture what what moves a people i mean a group of people, a mass of people, i believe are. Deeply held beliefs that go beyond, you know, the moment, but that that have a, a a transcendent value, and um, you know, ultimately, I would say that that's where. Though I don't know an atheist who would ever hurt a fly, that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. If it if it takes hold at a national level, that's what, that's what's scary to me. You know, like when enough people hold it, what there's nothing really to. Um, well, let, let me, let me, let me put it, uh, let me ask you about kind of modern politics. Okay. Sure. But unless you wanted to come back on no, no, go, okay. Go for it. Okay. Okay. So I had, uh, a, um, on a previous show I did, I had the, um, David Smalley of dogma debate on. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of the things I've just observed about a lot of atheists is that they tend to be very progressive politically. Mm-hmm. So m- maybe libertarian, but often very, you know, just, I would say politically liberal, Sure. So, very supportive of abortion, supportive of LGBT rights, although I've come to understand that there's a, a lot of division over the transgender issue. Uh mm-hmm. anyway, if people pay attention, they they can figure out why, but um do you observe that? Do you notice that? Is that a fair critique? Is it, you know, I mean, it seems like maybe 90% of atheists are very sort of progressively liberal.
2: I I think um I I don't know the statistics on this, so it's hard to. Yeah, that's just an anecdote I'm throwing out. Sure, Um, but the the people who I see, I've seen, I know atheists that go both ways. I know Christians that go both ways. I know Christians that are the they're the most their beliefs are the most so abstract that I think how can you call yourself a Christian? And if I ask them, they'll say, "Well, I'm still a Christian." And I'm talking about political Mm -hmm. um, beliefs, so it's it's really. Interesting, I think though, that if we, when we look at demographic data, I have looked at demographic data about um, we see in large cities, progressive populations tend to be bigger. Um, at universities, they tend to be bigger, um, but not at all universities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I think what it is is people are get stuck in these um, for one, being around a large group of people, I think makes us more compassionate and so we want we want to say uh we need to make this world better uh where that gets in trouble is because we start seeing each other we we start working together but then we start for some reason identifying each other as the problem and probably it's true the problem with human politics is the humans you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah and so When we do that, we start pointing at each other and we get these really terrible results. When we really need to have discussions, uh, and this is just, again, my opinion, uh, I think that the thing people are doing wrong, um, this person thinks that, uh, is that people need to discuss these things rather than uh, um, launching blame at groups of people, uh, which tends to get us into very bad situations. Yeah. No other evidence is considered, history just seems to show that. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Well, it's, it's, I think the reason I bring it up is because I sometimes wonder. Let me, let me put it like this Christians will often believe or assume that the reason that a person is an atheist is that they are. Uh, essentially rebellious against the will of God. Now, I happen to believe that's true about all people, so that would be true for atheists (laughs) as well, by definition. Um, But that that atheists are fundamentally rebellious people who don't want to live according to God's will or God's law or God's reign or God's rule. And what they really desire more than anything is freedom. And to sort of deal with that, what they do is they convince themselves, or they find the best arguments, that God doesn't exist, so they can sort of exempt themselves from God's rule,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then that it makes sense then that the that the society or the culture they in, uh, imagine or envision uh, is is one free of rules. So again you know progressive or although progressive uh, I would argue ultimately ends in totalitarianism but anyway that's just my own personal view that's not the Houston theology on taps <laughs> you um but um you know but more of a libertarian or kind of libertine kind of way of looking at things so mm-hmm. it kind of uh, all those things sort of follow mm-hmm. um you don't want to don't want to be held down by god so okay god doesn't exist now I can live the life I want so now I advocate a libertine uh kind of uh kind of society or kind of world that's a kind of from the outside looking in, mm-hmm. and that's that's to me is what well, I mean. I would say I think that's probably the case in many cases, but I don't know. Do you hang around atheists and who no. would be described as libertine, libertarian, who kind of advocate? And I'm talking about like they tend they they're like radically pro pornography. I mean, because all those things are are connected mm-hmm. to a free society, right. you know, and free thought. Yeah, you know?
2: I think these things are. Um, more things are more open to exploration and, mm. and uh, because they're not seen as intrinsically bad. Um, so I think these activities uh, are more open uh, to people in those demographics. But um, I don't think one of the most disappointing things I could be, I just want to say something to what you said. Uh, yeah. It could, I do recognize that it could be the case that I am totally. Blinded by my own uh, ego or something. Um, but one of the most, how I got introduced to Sarah actually, is I asked for a philosopher to respond to one of my questions uh, on Theology on Tap. And uh, they said that I asked them basically something like, Why do you think I don't believe, even though you're giving evidence? And he said that he thought I was wanting to sin. And I was, I asked the philosopher that. I was really disappointed that that mm. was the response. Um, I don't think that people, want to do bad um yeah. but um i do think that there are certain activities that one group sees as evil um mm-hmm. and the other group says maybe maybe not uh we do need to uh explore these things and it's a dis- again a discussion that needs to be had but are they waiting to yeah them? no they're oh. they're not oh, okay so
0: some sometimes there's a group of folks that need to be in this studio at six but gotcha uh, no
2: yeah. Okay, so, um, uh, and prior, I was going to make another point, but I can't recall it right off the top of my head. But I do hang around people with that, and these discussions happen, yeah. um, because it's not a straightforward answer. And the fear that uh, I have and I share with both sides, Christians, uh, or theists and non theists, is that, um, if we don't agree on things, if we don't work together, we will, uh, have repeats of history. We mm-hmm. are having repeats of history. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I would say, the old fuddy duddy that I am, that you know, America really is kind of two nations. And the 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 idea that seventy percent of America is Christian is, is 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 not the case. We we really have very fundamentally different worldviews. Kind of operating at the same time but Brian Woods thank you for joining me we're out of time uh it's just about six o'clock so we're gonna actually go off the air here at KPFT but uh thank you all for listening I do want to encourage you if you're a podcast listener hey um check us out at kpft.org we're there every Thursday I I need to make sure the uh name change because this is a new show got done but anyway uh, kpft.org is where you can go to donate and support community radio you can call in uh, really most anytime time. There, especially during working hours there'll be people here to take your call say that you're giving in the name of theology on air we'd really appreciate it 713-526-5738 is the number for that And, uh, but anyway, uh, Brian, can people find you somewhere by the way?
2: Oh, right now I'm still working on that project and I'll let you know as soon as I have it up, but you can reach me at this is brianwoods at gmail.com.
0: All right. Well, if you have any questions or, uh, you want to invite them onto your podcast, that's where to find Brian. We got to go. We'll see you next week. And until then, we encourage you to question freely, think deeply and disagree as needed.